If a small flock of cartoon bluebirds didn't help you get dressed this morning, that just means you haven't yet listened to Fine Tuning with Jim Hill and Drew Taylor. No, the black dress slacks, please. Thank you. And now, Jim Hill. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and, and since we last recorded our first show for August of 2018, Mr. Taylor has been out and about in Burbank. It, it, I, I love the fact that when you went to the press screening this week for Smallfoot, you actually walked there, so you went on foot to Smallfoot. I went on foot to Smallfoot. I love yeah, that. That is one of the, yeah, it's one of the joys of being in Toluca Lake is that you can walk to almost any studio. Mm. I walked to Disney Animation before. I mean... I am very, very centrally located. But, um, yeah, I saw Smallfoot. I'm not allowed to talk too much about it, Mm -hmm. but I think people will be excited. And I think you and I are both big fans of the director, Kerry Kirkpatrick. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to see him have a big win, I think. And and the animation from Sony Pictures Image Works, who provided the animation for Warner Animation Group, is really great. So it was a good time at the movies, I think. I'm kind of intrigued by the vocal cast. I mean, LeBron James? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea he was in it until somebody said that after the movie. Okay. So, I don't know if I knew what LeBron James's speaking voice was mm-hmm. before this, but now now I do and now I know what he's like as a Yeti. So, well, get ready for that. Okay. Well, I was actually out in Burbank like a, a week to 10 days ago. The Disney had an early press day for Ralph Rex the Internet, which the problem when you get to see these things early, you're kind of under an embargo for a while, so you can't necessarily get into specifics, but Disney puts me up at a boutique hotel, about less than a mile from Disney Studios. So I meet up with my daughter and my ex-wife, and we're going to go to my office, as Drew calls it. We're going to go to Bob's Big Boy, you know? Do you remember how back in July Nickelodeon announced that they were going to revive Rugrats? They'd already signed for 16 episodes of... Right, and they're going to do a live-action movie, too, right? That they are. Okay, so yeah. so we're standing there at the desk waiting for the valet to bring the car around. And as we're standing there, these, these two people in their 20s come out the door of the hotel, and they're carrying giant Tupperware containers and big presentation board, and they're waiting to get their car after us. And I cannot help but notice that it's covered with... Rugrat stuff. In fact, you know, the presentation board is literally people brainstorming what the new version of Angelica would be. And I, I realize as I'm looking at these, these two people are interns from Nickelodeon, and they've just held an offsite on the Rugrats revival at the Amarano Hotel, which makes sense. You know, Nickelodeon, the, the full studio is just up the street, and, you know, they might have wanted to get out of the building and get a fresh take on things. And I am trying so hard not to be a jerk and read. I do remember from the Angelica presentation thing that they described the character as having a hard candy shell and a lot of attitude, but a, but a soft center. Interesting. Yeah, but again, they're working on it, folks. So my apologies to Nickelodeon people if, if I'm letting that much out of the bag that Angelica is a hard candy shell. We won't <laughs> talk about anything else. I think you should be okay. Okay, well, there okay. we go. Now, getting back to Ralph Rex the Internet. So problem here, folks, is that the, the rules that you know early press days work under, that we can't really get into specifics about the footage we were shown 
I can tell you that Drew and I were shown, say, 20, 25 minutes of the film with most of the footage coming from, say, the first two-thirds of the movie? Yes. In fact, we were shown a picture in one of the presentations where it sort of showed all the story beats, and then the third act was completely blurred out. So yeah. they went they went very far to keep that last third from us. I mean, rightfully so, of course, but yeah. But at the same time, what we were shown looked good. There's some, some very interesting takes on what it would be like to be inside the internet, which we will get into specifics on future shows, but they showed us these clips in the screening room that's basically off the lobby. They ended up holding us for a lot of this time in the new cafeteria space, which in the Pixar tradition has all of these rooms off to the side. And, and for example, at one point in the afternoon, a door opens up and who comes marching out, but that's Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee and Peter Del Vecchio. And it was one of those moments like, oh crap, they were in there watching the Frozen 2 dailies. And it's like, ah, one of those things where you just sort of casually should have walked over to the door and listen. And <laughs> that's the thing, they invite you to these things so you have to behave, but. Yes, yes. But what I found intriguing about this particular junket was it was the first time that they broke us into groups and would move us through individual conference rooms and we'd talk about certain components of the film and of course anybody who's seen the new trailer that's out there with the Disney princess scenes uh, we got to sit down with the team that handled that sequence and that was the first time I heard when somebody asked about the leadership on the movie that somebody said well we've worked closely with Jennifer and you know she really helped us hone in on this and normally previous junkets that's the moment where somebody worked in john lassiter's name oh yeah every time we no matter it would be the catering guy and he would say yeah, you know yeah oh john lassiter you know did you find it intriguing that we weren't taken by his office supposedly the, the when they built the building the idea was that john's office would be the showplace with his toy collection yeah it was on the second floor inside the hat, mm -hmm. sort of where, where Roy's office used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we did not see it at all. We were not taken up those stairs. Mm -hmm. That was very interesting. What was genuinely intriguing was to watch Jennifer being moved into a leadership position. I mean, I mean seriously, where Drew and I were, were sitting at a sort of a communal table, at one point we look up and there's Jennifer in a conference room and she's meeting with this year's interns. In fact, you know, I guess they were finishing their run at the studio. They all posed for a photograph with Jennifer and she's now doing what somebody who's in charge of a studio actually has to do. And it's less and less about filmmaking and it's more and more about meetings and glad handing and that sort of thing. So more power to her. I mean, she's she's got a tough row to hoe here. Yeah. So I'm hoping she gets to put in the time that is necessary on, on Frozen 2. Well, you were talking about this with Pete Docter, right? And he's working on... We both know that he's in production on a movie right now mm -hmm. and, and hoping to be able to finish it because of all of his sort of administrative duties at mm -hmm. Pixar. Uh, circling back to Ralph Rex the Internet, I want to say it was like a week after the event. The news broke that... Gail Get Out, of course, who does such a wonderful job as Wonder Woman, they announced that she's now going to be voicing a character for Ralph Rex the Internet. Uh, Shank? Shank, yeah, <laughs> who's in a racing game called Slaughter Race, which is great. Now, when you and I have talked about Wreck-It Ralph 2 as this thing made its way through development, you had mentioned early on 
Wasn't the, the rumor that was bubbling up that this would be the film where we got to see things like Grand Theft Auto, right? Yeah. So when I was working at Disney, the Ralph production team was at the Toon Studio building, which was right next door to where my office was. So every time I would go over there for lunch or whatever, I had a tendency to get lost on the way back from the bathroom, you know, as you, as you do. It's amazing how when you're in a place where cool things happen, you get directionally challenged. Yes, yeah. So, you know, I'd walk by Corey Loftus's desk and check things out and and you know, there would be a lot of production art on the wall and and some of it featured what appeared to me to be like a Grand Theft Auto type game. Um, some other images suggested sort of a a World of Warcraft style game. So, and I think this was before I even knew that it took place primarily on the internet, but now looking back on it, you understand why because it's like games that you play online and during the press day I asked I brought that up and that seemed to be still very much in play but I think what's interesting is that they didn't tell us anything about the the last third of the movie and then like a week later show us they release images and scenes from that third of the movie that we were not talked about at all during our press day yeah it's just so funny to me this is the world we live in drew the way you sell a movie now is you breadcrumb it who knows what this time next week we'll find out about that, that film but right all before embargo breaks for us uh <laughs> yeah okay well, well speaking of, of looking toward the future here after we recorded our, our last show, the shareholders of Fox and Disney both voted and said, hey, yes, we approved this merger idea, and there are still like 12 additional steps, most of them involving countries outside of the U.S., like, for example, the, the European Union has to sign off on, on this acquisition, but we did get current head of Fox, the film side of things, uh, Stacy Snyder, talking about what their plan is in regard to animation. And that's largely because the deal they had with DreamWorks has ended because Comcast bought DreamWorks and now DreamWorks is working with Universal. In fact, what Fox has decided to do is they're turning to their own Fox television with an accent on animation. So they've got a big screen version of Bob's Burgers coming. We're gonna get a second Simpsons movie. Now mind you, that's in development. It took them, what, 15 years to do the first one? So I I wouldn't necessarily go out and buy popcorn just now. And then the the Family Guy thing, I think you and I both were kind of eyeballing this one because it's like the Family Guy film that they're planning on doing is going to mix animation and live action. And these films are going to have to come out as part of the new Disney studio, right? Right, yeah. I mean, the... I've heard from people in the studio that they think that all those international deals will be closed by the end of the year, the calendar year this year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, all these projects will be Disney projects. Disney has already made $2.5 billion for the year on the back of domestic. It's all about now in-house talking about Solo. (laughs) Well, you know, and it's just the whole notion of we picked the wrong release date, particularly five and six months after The Last Jedi came out. That, right. So we have to be smarter going forward. And But if you think about these, now trying to find these protected spots for things like the Bob's Burger movie and making sure that the Disney films don't necessarily crush the Fox films. Right. I mean, I'm going to go out of my way and say that Bob's Burger is the movie would make a great 
movie for the streaming platform. Just going to go out of my way and say that. I'm relatively late to the Bob's Burger Party. I mean, I didn't really catch the show when it started airing in January of 2011. I've, I've really more circled back on the show since it's begun its syndicated run, but I have kind of fallen in love with the show. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it has such good writing. And then when you, you factor in the, the, the voice cast of H. John Benjamin as Bob and John Roberts as Linda. And of course, you know, how can you not love uh, Kristen Schnall as Louise? Yes. Before we move on, I wanted to ask you one thing, mm-hmm. because we haven't talked about the earnings call yet, have we? Uh, from last week. No, I don't think and we And I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that Bob Iger... He kind of name-checked some fairly esoteric properties. He, you know, he, he stated his commitment to FX mm. and Fox, Fox Searchlight and even name-checked the Kingsman franchise, but said nothing about Ice Age or any of the, or Rio or any of the Blue Sky properties, which I thought was a very interesting exclusion yeah. from that talk. But I wanted to know if you had any insight on that. Yeah, I mean, they are nervous at Blue Sky for that exact reason. I mean, just there's concern right now about if Blue Sky comes aboard, you know, as part of the acquisition deal, how does it fit? We just saw, for example, Incredibles is is ending after a ridiculously strong summer. That came out in, what, late June? Late June, yeah. And there are only so many slots now. And Disney, especially on the heels of what happened with Solo is trying to refine its strategy. For me, it's fascinating watching how other studios are now reacting to Disney. I mean, did you see that story about how Godzilla, King of the Monsters, actually changed its release date from, I want to say, March of next year to bump that out all the way to May, and that was largely because they didn't want to get Black Panthered? Oh, really? Yeah, the, well, the concern, think about it. Black Panther was number one at the box office for five weeks in a row. Here we've got Captain Marvel, which is, you know, the film that's going to pay off that moment from Infinity Wars. Nick Fury hammer on his thing and then fall to dust. Uh, by the way, right. that's a spoiler. If, you, <laughs> <laughs> if you're one of the two people that hasn't that's seen right. Infinity War. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people want to see this movie. And there were a lot of huge movies that came out. Laura Croft and Pacific Rim uh, Uprising, that they believe that the other studios, that, that frankly, Black Panther just sucked all the oxygen out of the box office. And the fear is that Captain Marvel will do the exact same thing. So Warner Brothers were like, what the hell with that? You know, let's, let's move Godzilla to a safer slot. So, you know, it has a chance at the box office. And this is the thing at Disney right now. It's like, you know, we have to obviously protect our big IPs and our big franchises and make sure they they have that that at least two and three week exclusive window at the box office to do as well as they can and I feel for for Blue Sky because it just it feels like right now it's like we're having trouble finding decent slots for Disney and Pixar because of course we have to go we deal with Marvel and we've got Star Wars and there's only so many great weekends out of the year and to now have the additional films in the Fox schedule it's going to be very crowded it's going to be very crowded but at the same time I think what you said earlier about the streaming service I would honestly not be surprised if you know at least for a time Blue Sky ends up being 
repositioned there because when you look at the the, the strength of the the Ice Age franchise or Rio or Disney's not going to let that wander away. No. But you know they they have to figure out a way to do that. But anyway, uh, to to back to ruining. I ruined your perfect segue. No, no, no. It's okay. It's Shaw. okay. <laughs> Drew and I are both huge, huge, huge fans of Gravity Falls and have missed it since it went away. It's been, what, two years at this point, right? Two years, yeah. 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 So, you know, which is why the both of us were so thrilled when just last month the book came out from Disney Press, the Gravity Falls Lost Legends, Four New Adventures. And so this was Hirsch, Alex Hirsch himself wrote these, is that correct? Yeah, and he used a bunch of animators from the show, including Dana Terrace, who is his girlfriend and who has that, a new show called The Owl House, I think. I, the Owl House there we go. is coming out. There we go. Yes, and she's contributing to the, the season of DuckTales. And so he's got a lot of really talented, I mean, he, the artwork I thought was stunning in this book. Oh, no, absolutely. But, but I, honestly, my favorite part of the book is Schmabulok, who is the, the narrator of this this thing. Final page of the book. It's like, the Stan Brothers began an adventure of a lifetime, the kind of an adventure that would make a great movie, honestly. Maybe a miniseries. Is that too much to ask? Honestly, would it kill them to give us some, some new adventures? After f- summer comes fall, a whole new season, if you will. I can't be the only one who wants another season, right? I've invested so much time in these characters, in these characters' lives. They can't just leave me for Lucifer's beard. What would it take for more Gravity Falls? Okay. That, honestly, is some of the most subtle writing I've heard in quite some time. <laughs> Look, let me get him on line right behind Mr. Hirsch. Yes, I'd love some more Gravity Falls. Yeah. When I talked to him, but when the Blu-ray box that was coming out, he basically said, you know, I will continue doing Gravity Falls things Mm. here and there. I have a great relationship with publishing and they're really supportive. And so when I can do a comic book or I can do, you know, a box set, you know, those things don't consume your entire life. Mm. And I think if you've gone through the special features on the Blu-ray, you you see how much of himself he put into every episode of the show. Mm. So he's trying to, I think he's trying to strike the right balance of being able to work on other projects. He says he's, he's working on a feature that he can't talk about mm-hmm. yet um, with, you know, appeasing the fans and this, obviously the merchandise for this stuff still flies off the shelves. I think Journal 3 is like one of the highest selling books in the history of Disney publishing. So yeah, it's about finding that right balance, but hopefully he'll keep doing it, because I, I don't know how you felt, felt about the comic book, but I thought it was amazing. No, they did, did such a nice job, and service set up with my favorite characters from the show, so I was very pleased. And actually, the if you're looking to pick up a copy, folks, what might be worth going out of your way to chase down the Barnes & Noble version is the last eight pages is some additional sketchbook, uh, give you a sense of, of a lot of the work that went into the Lost Legends book. And I'd be happy for them to find even more legends further on down the line. So, <laughs> now, you mentioned, you know, striking a balance with new projects and that sort of thing. Just this week, we saw somebody else who's has had quite the career in animation, Matt Groening, you know, the, the guy behind The Simpsons and, and Futurama, launched a brand new show over at Netflix, Disenchanted, and... You've got to see, what, five of the episodes so far? I've watched five. So I've seen half of the first season. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is his medieval set show about a sort of anti-Disney princess played by Alana Glazer from Broad City. Mm -hmm. And she has a companion. She has an elf 
friend named Elfo, mm-hmm. voiced by Matt Faction, and she has another uh, demonic uh, sidekick named Lucy, mm-hmm. as in Lucifer, <laughs> and they sort of go on this, you know, epic kind of adventure, and I really like it so far. I guess what they've said about, and I'm sorry, I actually misspoke the star of, of it, is not Alana Glazer, it's actually Abby Jacobson, the other actress from, from Broad City, mm-hmm. but... I guess what they're saying, the main difference between Futurama and The Simpsons is that it's supposed to be serialized Mm -hmm. so that it's a a larger narrative that goes over the whole season. That's not incredibly clear from the first five episodes, but it is very fun. I think it I think it actually does suffer from being able to be bingeable all at once Mm -hmm. because there is a kind of a similarity to each episode. But I'm really enjoying it. And the animation by Rough Draft, the Korean studio, is really, really good. So I can't wait for you to watch it, Jim, and I want for the next episode for you to tell us what you thought. Okay, we'll definitely circle back. Now, there's a number of people who sort of complained a bit about the show, about how it's, eh, you know, it's just, it's grainy taking advantage of the popularity of of like Game of Thrones or, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I I guess the character of Elfo is something he's been drawing since he was 10. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, this is something he's been nursing for quite some time. And if you've you've watched The Simpsons or Futurama, the, the regular pokes at Disney or, oh, for that matter... They did a wonderful arc on Futurama. You remember when they, they broke Futurama into like four... There was a season where they did those four 90-minute long movies? Yes, I did. They did one whole 90-minute movie that was sort of set in the world of, of gaming. Like I want to say at one point, Leela was a centaur for the better part of the, the, the film. Yeah, that was, that was Bender's big game, yeah, I believe. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's not like they he hasn't dabbled in this space before. So it'll, it'll just be interesting to see where he goes with this show. Speaking of where things are going with the show, Drew and I, just before recording this, got to see the season finale of DuckTales, and oh man. Before we jump into that, we we should probably stop for a commercial break here, so hang on folks, we'll be right back. And we're back. Just to jump into it, a little context. Back in February 2015, when Disney announced that they were reviving DuckTales, just a couple of months later, Terry McGovern, the gentleman who did Launchpad for the the first set of shows, when he told the world that they weren't bringing back the original voice cast, what did you think, Drew? I was fine with it. I mean, I understood that it had to be a new thing. Mm-hmm. It was a new audience. I, I was just worried about was it going to be a carbon copy of the 80s show or were they going to dig more into the Carl Bark stuff? And I think, like you pointed out, and then I looked it up, mm-hmm. there was an image from last week's episode that was literally a panel from the very first Scrooge McDuck comic, the end of the episode with him sort of sulking in his chair. Mm-hmm. I mean, amazing. It was a shot-for-shot shot representation of that comic book panel. I, I, I'm, I was just amazed. Yeah, I, I've loved that from... The first trailer where you go through and realize that, geez, you know, that they have Carl Barks paintings in the background in Scrooge's mansion. Right. Just sort of like there was a, a crazy dedication to detail, to, to getting this world right, to showing that they had love for the source material. But that said, there were a bunch of us who it's like, but you, you can't not use Alan Young. He'd been doing Scrooge since 83 when they, you know, the first time they brought him in was for the Mickey's Christmas Carol featurette. 
Oh, wow. That was the first time, huh? Yeah. That was a big deal, too, that fe- feature. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That was the first time Mickey had been back on screen since, I want to say, 61. And Alan, he was the perfect guy for the role because he grew up in Edinburgh. You know, his dad, his dad actually worked in the mines. I mean, I'm surprised Alan didn't have his own lucky dime. <laughs> you know, he kept working as Scrooge. I mean, in 2002, he's voicing Scrooge for three episodes of House of Mouse. In 2004, they bring him back for that, that home entertainment twice upon a Christmas thing. Right. As, and as recently as March of 2013, Capcom, the VP there, Christian Svensson, is bragging about their DuckTales Remastered project. And they're like, we got the full cast back. Alan Young is 91 years old at this point. And Svensson was just thrilled that he came into the studio and did his thing just like a pro. And he evidently kept going for so long that supposedly you know those mickey mouse shorts the the new ones oh yes we love those yeah well here's the thing they credit alan young as voicing the character of scrooge for goofy's first love which was released in january of 2015 and then there was another short just called no that came out in january of 2016 and he died four months later that's the thing i just i i don't know (laughs) i mean i just but I get it. I get that they did what they did. But at the same time, when you, you look at something like, you know, for the first series, you had Rusie Taylor, and she did all of the nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, as well as Webigail. And, and then you look at what the team was doing for the DuckTales reboot. You have Danny Putty from Community voicing Huey. You've got Ben Schwartz from Park and Recreation doing Dewey, you know, Bobby Monahan from Saturday Night Live. And it was one of these things initially looking at that is like, geez, you're just casting out of TV Guide. Right. Initially, you know, the number of people who thought that was lazy, but then there were a number of people that now, wait a minute, back when Walt was running the studio, that's actually what they did? For example, Ava Gabor, who, you know, was in a big hit Green Acres and Disney brought her in to voice Duchess in Aristocats and was so thrilled with the work that they she did, they brought her back to do The Rescuers, voicing Bianca. In fact, do you know Pat Buttram? Hey, hey, you know that voice. Right. All right. Yes. Same thing. Green Acres, they brought him in multiple times because they loved his voice. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing to go for people from television. In fact... The moment that, at least for me, that I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting is December of 2016 when they revealed who was going to be voicing Scrooge. And it was David Tennant, the 10th Doctor. And in fact, I'm genuinely embarrassed that it was only today as I'm watching The Shadow War, the finale of of the first season of, of DuckTales, that... I realized who was voicing Magic of the Spell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Catherine Tate. I mean, <laughs> you know, Donna Noble, you know, Doctor Who's companion for the David Tennant years. And it's just sort of like, I love the fact that they got the two of them back together to do this show. Yeah, Donna was a great companion. But I guess for me, what was so smart from day one, when they cast Rusi, the idea was that the nephews were all kind of interchangeable and right. that really wasn't the take for this show. They, Huey, Dewey, and Louie all had very distinctive personalities. That was the brilliance of bringing Bobby, Ben, and Danny in to voice them. And, and But let's be honest, the real heart of the show is Webigail. 
and yet yes. Webby and and Kate Benucci had done such an amazing job with that character. Yes. And I think she's on she's on the Unikitty show too. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right now, I, I only know this because I put cartoons on for the dog <laughs> when I leave the apartment. So that's right. I've been that's watching right. a lot of uh, yeah, just for the dog, just for the dog. That's but, right. So I've been I've been seeing a lot of Unikitty and Teen Titans and and even you know Ben Schwartz said, said that he is drawn to characters from the '80s wearing blue <laughs> because not only is he. Dewey, but he's Leonardo in the new Rise of the Ninja Turtles That's show, right. which is That's about right. to start. Mm-hmm. And he just signed on to be Sonic the Hedgehog in the big budget Jim Carrey led animation live action hybrid mm-hmm. that is coming out from Paramount. So, blue characters from the 80s, Ben Schwartz has you covered on this. Well, okay, we'll go, we'll, we'll have to keep an ear to the ground whether or not they're going to be recasting Grimace. <laughs> anyway, no, wait a minute, he's purple. My mistake. <laughs> For me, the notion of, what, we've had 23 episodes, we had the, not exactly a serialized story, but just enough story, you know, and from the very first episode with the whole introducing of Della Duck. Yeah. The long-missing mother of Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and the notion of to establish those stakes in the first episode and then to do how they sort of breadcrumbed the spear of Celine uh, throughout the whole show. It's some amazing storytelling. I mean, when you look at uh, what Matt Youngberg and Francisco Agons have done with this show, I mean, face it, if you were looking at these guys' credentials, I mean, face it, Matt, what he directed, 16 episodes of Ben 10, uh, Ultimate Alien, 2010 to 2012, and and then 42 episodes of Transformers Animated, you know, back uh, 2007-2009. I give a lot of credit to the folks at Walt Disney Television Animation to look at that resume and think, this is the guy we want working on DuckTales. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, they knew he could do it. I guess it, maybe the action background of those episodes, because these the... The episodes have been very action heavy. I mean, most of the time. Last week, which I think you and I both love that episode, mm-hmm. was kind of a bottle episode mm-hmm. in a crashed airplane. Mm-hmm. And, oh man, what what an episode. One of the things, especially about the, the last show, the last five minutes when it's basically boards with limited animation, but it is so strong. When you get to the final shot of, of Scrooge alone in his chair and that sort of thing, and you if you aren't... And again, this, this is just a cartoon duck. But if you're not moved by where that character is at that point, I don't know, you're kind of heartless. Yeah. But on the other hand, to get back to, to Francisco, look, he, he wrote 16 episodes of, honestly, one of my favorite things that Disney television uh. had done, Wander Over Yonder... You and me both, Jim. You and me both. You know. I miss it so much, and I have no idea what the hell happened. We got to dig deep into that. What happened yeah. to, to Wander Over Yonder? Lord Tater, Peepers, you know, just sort of like <laughs> Sylvia. I miss all of Sylvia. those characters. And it just and it, I know. And it had such an amazing vocal cast and such wonderful design. And don't get me wrong, Francisco's doing great work right now on DuckTales, but again, just. To, was sad to see that that one shut down. Well, you know what Francisco worked on before DuckTales even? What? The Legend of the Three Caballeros. Wait a minute. He he was the one that did that project. Yeah. Are you... For it wasn't even for animation, it was for like consumer products or something. And as we've learned, it was airing on a Disney streaming service in the Philippines or something, yeah. right? Yeah. And they've all leaked online, mm. thank God. 
Not that I would ever encourage, you know, that. That, that would thing, be wrong, to Drew. See what he, that would be wrong. Yes. So. Yeah. But to see what he did with those characters and to see the, how, like you were pointing this out, the way that people reacted to the shot of the three caballeros coming onto DuckTales in season two mm-hmm. at Comic-Con, it was like they showed a picture of the Beatles getting back together oh, no. or something. I mean, it was crazy. No, a- absolutely. But that season two and in kind of the way Disney does business these days, the DuckTales was renewed for its second season back in March of last year. This was what, five and a half months before the first episode aired. But again, from a storyteller, from a craft point of view, I think one of the things I loved most about this first season of DuckTales was that the way it was bracketed by two 44-minute specials, that, you know, one that established the world and one that sort of summed up the whole season. But, you know, if you remember the way the first special Woohoo ended with Dewey, wasn't it? Yeah. Who found the painting and pushed up the canvas and saw and it's the corner, you know, Della Duck, and is like, Mom? And then to have this episode, and I, again, I've got to assume that you've seen Shadow Wars at this point, if not, spoiler coming, we cut to the moon. And we see a field of wreckage for a spaceship, and we cut inside a snowy television with a, a soldering gun in front of it. So you get the sense that you know whoever's there has just got this television up and running, and it's showing footage from what just happened in Duckburg. And the camera turns, and it's Della. Della is alive on the moon, and again it ends with one word, and she's like, "Boys." So it makes me crazy. I have to wait now for season two to see where this goes. Oh, my God. Well, given how crazy the scheduling is on the show, Lord knows when we're going to see him. I mean, you brought up the fact that it premiered on XD in September, mm-hmm. and then it moved to Disney Channel this past May. Mm-hmm. When did Woohoo premiere? August 12th, 2017. Yep. And the season has ended now almost to the day. What are we? August 18th, yep. 2018. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to stretch out however many 20-something episodes. Yeah, I agree. But on the other hand, they were all... I mean, I, I don't think there was a dud in the bunch. No, not at Before all. Before we, we, we close up here, I really want to stress how much I've enjoyed... But, you know, don't get me wrong. Terry McGovern did such wonderful work as Launchpad back in the day. But Buck Bennett's take on this character is so damn funny. Oh, my God. He is the MB- MVP of the show. I was just texting with someone right before we started, and I said, there was an episode a couple weeks ago where he's he's sneaking across a big field, and they play this little, like, piano music. Mm-hmm. It was the funniest thing. He's so good. Let's not think about talks uh, Agondolia, who voices Beakley. I mean, I did the way they reimagined this character for the redo of DuckTales, I mean... I love Beakley as a badass. I love her with the, the backstory. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But the fact just today that, that they had the wonderful moment where, you know, I'm a grandmother. I know how to weaponize guilt. <laughs> it's a combination of great writing with wonderful character work and just flat out great boarding and design. I mean, just remember when they announced this back in February 2015, all of us who were fans of the original show just something we were so fond of in in the 80s and it's like don't screw this up and boy did they not screw this up well can i ask you about the way that they've kind of seeded some of the other disney afternoon shows into this series yeah you know you remember a few episodes ago they were going after gummy berry juice (laughs) well not only that in today's show at one point donald they were going to pack up the family and take them to cape suzette from tailspin and we had a launch pad another great launch pad moment singing his own version of the darkwing duck theme song yeah i love that 
they're both respectful of the source material, but at this, you know, I mean, again, pulling whole chunks out of the Carl Barksing, but the fact that they can acknowledge the expanded universe in this this fun sort of way. I mean, it's just, it's such a clever show. It's amazing. Yeah. What a, what a season. Yeah, no. I mean, honestly. And again, no pressure. Just have to top this with two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you want to renew for season three sometime in the next week or so, that'd be cool too. I just want a box set. Now, now after the Gravity Falls Blu-ray set too, I... I'm dying for this to be collected somewhere, but a boy can dream, Jim. Yeah, a boy can dream. Well, and, and speaking of dreaming, we're hoping that, that you folks are dreaming about coming down to Florida with Drew and I in, in November. How's that for a segue? Ooh, uh, very the greatest dream of very them all. Very smooth. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I guess we're not allowed to call it Pixar in the Parks anymore because evidently Disney Legal got kind of miffed. So I guess it's Jim at WD. DW, which is not true because it's Jim and Drew at W. Well, I'm there too. I'm going to be there too. That's right. And damn it. So again, this is November 9th through the 12th, I believe. Yes. This is being set up by the very nice folks at Storybook Destinations, folks. You want to check this out. But the whole point of this event is we are going to be at the Walt Disney World Resort. We are going to. All four of the theme parks, plus a number of the resorts, and for example, Art of Animation, and we're going to be telling the Pixar story, how Pixar was brought into the parks, and how we're continuing to see Pixar being brought into the parks. But Drew and I will be wandering the parks with you folks, so we're going to be recording a episode in front of a live of fine tuning in front of a live audience yeah we're going to be walking around and telling stories and and, um, and really another thing would reason you want to check out this event is the day before on november 8th they're going to be launching the brand new lighting package the holiday lighting package for toy story land at disney's hollywood studios this is already very popular with disney theme park visitors but this is the holiday version of Toy Story Land. And if you want to be among the first to see this, make plans to come down to Florida with Drew and myself to check this thing out. It's going to be really fun. I feel like our dynamic on the show is like 40% of our usual shtick. <laughs> so if you want to really see it in the flesh, that's right. Come to Florida. Wear ponchos because it usually, Wear you know, the, the, you will get wet. Yes. <laughs> Since we keep talking about doing this, the very next show, because obviously we have to establish that we can tell decent stories about Pixar. So how about our next show, we'll finally get around to talking about how Toy Story initially came into the parks. And that was from the El Capitan Theater to Disneyland Tomorrowland. But we'll get to that in our next installment of, of Fine Tuning. So thanks again for listening in to this podcast. And on behalf of Mr. Taylor and myself, you folks have a good day. Be sure to tune in again for another fine episode of Fine Tuning with Jim Hill and Drew Taylor.